0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Operation Sequel. Today, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy V. Now, Final Fantasy V came out on the Super Famicom in 1992 in Japan and didn't get any, you know, North American, European releases. In 1999, September, it released on the PlayStation Collection in North America and Europe had to wait until 2002 to get it in February. After that, it hasn't received that many ports or remakes. There's only a handful. Uh, The GBA did re-release it with an upgraded translation and that was in November of 2006 in North America and April of 2007 in Europe. After that, it got the usual iOS, Android, and Windows releases and it's fairly recently. I mean, it was 2015 that it actually hit Windows. So we have a lot of the usual crew behind it. We have one or two new names and that's kind of cool because these guys will be a big part of the series of Final Fantasy coming forward. So in the director slot, we still have here Nobu Sakaguchi. The artist is Yoshitaka Amano. The writers are Sakaguchi again and Yoshinori Kitase, who will become a huge part of pretty much anything Final Fantasy. I mean, Chrono Trigger, Kingdom Hearts. He's just a big name at Square. The man behind the music was, of course, Nobuo Uematsu. Now, since I can't read Japanese, Uh, We're going to have to go off of the GBA manual, and I don't believe there's much to go on, so here we go. Fire, water, wind, and earth. Peace and prosperity reign thanks to the power of these four crystals. However, that power is nearing its limit. Not far off is the day when the wind slows, the water stills, and the earth trembles and quakes. Yet everyone remains blissfully unaware, and the grave secret hidden within the crystals remain untold. So that's not really so much a story setup. that's more of a teaser, but we'll talk about the story later. Now, for a bit of my history with the game, I have never played Final Fantasy V before. It's something that once it hit the PlayStation, I just kind of never got around to playing. It was always on my list, it's just there was always something better, right? I mean, if your choices are Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy V... Yeah, you might skew a bit towards Chrono Cross. Nothing against Final Fantasy V. It was just, you know, there was always something newer, fresher to be playing. And it felt like back then, everything coming out was amazing. And it wasn't. It was just, you know... Whenever I had money to get a game, it seemed like I always bought a winner. And once I got into the later generations, like, you know, once I bought a GameCube and then a PlayStation 2, it just seemed like there was never really time to go back and play Final Fantasy V. And it doesn't help that the anthology collection that it's on, it does have loading times. And that was actually a big problem I ran into this time, is what version do I play, since there haven't been very many versions. When I started, I tried playing the GBA version, and the sound is kind of bad, right? I mean, it's not their fault, it's just the GBA sound. Also, I did notice with the uh, the GBA version, the scrolling was jittery, right? Like, in the beginning, there's a scene on the castle where, you know, the daughter comes in, talks to the king, and the way it pans down, it was very stop-starty, very jittery, right? So I kind of had to write that one off. And so then I tried the PlayStation version. The battles load okay, right? I mean, it's if this was the only version you had, It's not enough to go mental over, but it's, you know, there's probably a better way to play it. And since I didn't want to play iOS or Android, I did decide, hmm, you know, maybe I'll go back and actually play it on the Super Nintendo. Downloaded a wonderful version that has been translated by, I believe, RPG1, and that dude deserves a medal. I don't know if it's a dude, actually. It could be a woman, could be a dude, could be a bunch of people. I'm not sure, but whoever RPG1 is, if you know them, buy them a beer because they did some fantastic work. So the the aforementioned intro, this actually has a pretty long intro. I mean, to the point where it was starting to get annoying trying all these different versions because that intro is a pretty nice setup to the story, but it's long and it's it's not really interactive. You're just kind of watching until you finally get to Bart's. Who, by the way, okay, so I don't know if the names are going to line up with the later iterations because, you know, it was a fan translation. So, I mean, for me, the default name was Butts, and that's just kind of unacceptable. <laughs> I mean, uh, his name in Japanese is Batsu. Actually, I don't know if you pronounced the U on that one. I kind of had to change it right so i went with what square has kind of officially renamed him as over here which is barts at least according to like world of final fantasy so i had barts lena gallif and kara and of course ferris so those names might be a little different there are there will be some places that might sound a little different but again it's because i'm using a fan translation instead of the official translation all of that is small potatoes no big deal So, since this is one that I haven't played, I was actually kind of excited to get to it. I heard, all I really remembered hearing about this was, there's a guy named Butts, he has a chocobo, and there's a job system. That was pretty much it. So, going into this, I was pretty pretty blind. Right off the bat, I I did get a few warning signs, like, oh oh no, here it comes. So, we're back to the crystals, as we are 90% of the time. You know, the crystals are failing, just, you need to go try to save them, but somehow they just shatter the moment you get there. Luckily enough, because that's how you get jobs. But right off the bat, we've got a guy who has amnesia. Oh man, why why we got to do this? But that doesn't last very long, and it, it just plays a very small part in the story. So if you hit that and you're like, oh boy. Don't worry about it too much. It's not a big deal. Final Fantasy V also has the groundbreaking idea of an honest-to-God tutorial in it. Once you unlock the job systems, the little Moogle comes out and he tells you how the jobs work. And that's great because the job system in this is a little confusing. Like, even that little Moogle didn't do such a bang-up job. The job systems in this, there are a whole host of jobs. I mean, everything you can think of in the Final Fantasy series there's a job i mean there's like dancer there's geomancer ha it rhymes there's samurai there's monk there's dragoon there's you know oracle there's well in the gba version there's beast master there's berserker I, there's just a ton of jobs so you'll always find something probably two or three that you like now the way it works is in once you choose a job there are of course certain skills and only that job can use like uh, let's take a samurai he can use coin toss, or he can use a move to stun an opponent, things like that. Now, once you level up, you unlock those abilities to use with other classes. So let's say you're playing as a thief, and you unlock the ability to see hidden passages, and you unlock an ability to run away from battle very quickly. Once you've leveled that thief up to master, so you've hit the top level of thief, if you switch to a different class, you can then choose the have the ability of see hidden passages, while you're playing as, say, a monk. So you can have a little bit of the Thief. Think Final Fantasy XI, actually, with the way it works. Like how you could have a class and then a subclass. Except in this, you're not necessarily setting a class as a subclass, you're more or less picking an ability to have as a subclass. Now, the reason why it gets so deep and tricky here is whatever jobs you've mastered, once you go back to being a standard plain Jane freelancer, there are a lot of abilities that they call innate abilities that even though you don't pick them, they're still active on your character. Like, let it say that you decided to go Thief, Black Mage, and White Mage. You've mastered all three of them. Then you decide, okay, it's time to go Freelancer because we're getting near the end of the game. And, you know, we want all of these abilities. So, you go in and you pick what abilities you want. And you pick White Mage and Black Mage abilities. But, since a Thief's innate ability is to see hidden passages and run away quickly... They're always active on your character, even though you didn't select them from the list. And so, yeah, it's a bit tricky to figure out, okay, what's an innate ability, what's, an, what's just an ability you have to choose. But good lord, that opens up so many different variations for building your characters. This is the first one that I actually had to stop fooling around in and finish because I was having so much fun unlocking new abilities, seeing how it worked with the Freelancer, and hmm, what's a better combination. So, I, uh, this this is the best version of the job system I've seen. Might top Final Fantasy Tactics for me, but it's been a little while, so I'll just say right now they stand on par with each other. Which, in case you are curious, uh, I had Bart as a samurai knight who ended the end boss with a guilt toss, because a toss is ridiculously <laughs> overpowered in this. So, then we have Ferris, and Ferris was my overall bruiser of a character it went monk and then she decided to go ninja afterwards and a ninja monk they're awesome uh for Kara and gallif because i'll explain that later but she was she was one of my mages she went summoner and what did she go oh she was a uh, summoner and geomancer until late in the game and then i had her start learning white mage so she was kind of an all-around mage which if you think coin toss is overpowered, Summoner, and I'll explain this in a little more detail, Summoner is, is the MVP of this game, right? Like, that is so good to see, because I love Summoners, and the way that they actually boosted the summons in their usefulness, their utility, works great in this game. Now, on that flip side, Black Mage is okay. Like, it really, until you get Flare, a Summoner can pretty much do the same. I mean, their single target damage is not quite as high, But you're mostly fighting groups, so you'd only want to switch to a black mage, say, before a boss kind of thing. And then for Lena, we had our usual white mage and time mage. Never really appreciated time mage very much when it comes to Final Fantasy Tactics or other games where you tactics advance. The whole party haste is almost essential in this. You almost need to have that. Everything else on a time mage is eh. Like, it does have its usefulness, but... For the most part, you're, you're mastering Time Mage so you can have Haste 2. Now, while I tried to do everything, there was one job that I didn't unlock, and that's the Mime. But I have a feeling the way that works is the same way to work in Final Fantasy 7 I did a little checking up, and it looks like instead of the two abilities from different classes that you can slap in there, in the slots, I believe Mime has three. Now, I'm not too sure because I didn't get to try it, but... That's it. Now, the GBA did add a few classes that I didn't get to try because I was playing on the Super Nintendo. But that was Cannoneer, Necromancer, which would have been very cool because that, that's a very cool idea. Gladiator, and like I said before, Oracle. Now, I might end up trying to replay that. I'm not sure that that scrolling did get on me a little bit and that sound is awful. But the idea of playing a Cannoneer or a Necromancer, that's that's pretty cool. So, the story is a bit of a slow starter. You're getting the usual, something's wrong with the crystals. We should go find out what. You know, that takes you to different places and stuff like that. But nothing really ever clicks for a long time. Like once you're gathering your party, nothing really clicks as in a hook to grab you. It's just boilerplate Final Fantasy. Comparing this game's story to Final Fantasy IV is a bit hard. I don't know if I like this story because I've never seen it before. Or if because once it gets going, it's not as boilerplate as Final Fantasy IV. So I'm going to call it a wash because I'm not exactly sure. Once the story gets going, there's a little bit more to the world than Final Fantasy IV. Final Fantasy IV was very much about the characters themselves. Sure there were some details about the world, but V is is where the world becomes more interesting. Might also be because of what they do with world 1, 2, and 3. There are three different worlds in this, and they're not necessarily different. Galluf, the guy who has amnesia, he comes from a different world. So you end up having to go to that world, which is kind of like a mirror image of your own. And then, once it starts nearing the third act, they merge the two worlds together. So it's, again, not necessarily a new world, but it's pieces of both that are just smashed together. Now, one of the bad things about this game has got to be the name of the villain. Like, naming him X-Death is an awful decision. X-Death sounds like a screen name Emo-Me would have made up when he was 13 years old. Like, that's just kind of a bad name. I mean, I mean, even something like Sam the Bad Guy would have probably been better than X-Death. Now, saying that, he's a pretty good villain. He accomplishes his goal, which is more than most Final Fantasy villains, he's a bit of a wall. Like when the time comes that you finally fight him, he's kind of a gut check. Not much in this game is hard until the probably two thirds in because up until that point, you're kind of just playing around with classes and you're having a good time. And then bam, you hit X death and it is a wall. You got to make sure your stuff is in line in order to take him down. Uh, he also manages to kill off one of the main characters, which I did not see coming at all. So you have poor Galif, who I would say he ranks up there with Orin in terms of badassery. So you know, Orin was a pretty cool guy, and Galif is a pretty cool guy. I guess Orin would win because he doesn't die, or he's already dead. Spoiler for Final Fantasy X, by the way. But yeah, so X death in a series of events takes down Gallif and gets replaced with his granddaughter, which is Kara. And then I I was kind of disappointed and worried at the same time because I thought, oh no, I've got to build up another character from scratch. But very cool. They do let Kara inherit all of Gallif's abilities. So all the work you've done on Gallif will get transferred to somebody else. Yeah, it's a bit of a cheat because it's all, you know, force ghosty, ooh, have my powers kind of stuff, but I will take that plot contrivance over having to rebuild the character from scratch you know a little over halfway through the game. And speaking of his death um that actually it it hit pretty hard like I didn't cry and I wasn't staring out the window on a rainy day wondering what his life but you know I was whoa I put a lot of work into that guy and he just offed him. Story-wise I can see why they had him die. It was a good choice you know it added a little bit of you know personal tension to it. I would say his death scene was a little bit better than Aerith or Aerith I can't remember. So in terms of Final Fantasy death scenes, let's say it goes somewhere between Eris and Palom and Porom, right? Like, it's, 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 it's a good death. As Worf would say, it was a good day to die. On that note, there aren't a lot of sacrifices. Like, they don't go sacrifice crazy like they do in Final Fantasy IV. There are a few noble sacrifices, let's say, but a lot of them are NPCs. Like, nothing to do with your characters. And... Speaking of that, it is very nice to have a solid group of four people instead of that rotating slot. Like, it's very nice to know, okay, these are my guys, I have the rest of the game to work with them. The first sacrifice in the game isn't even a human, it's a dragon. So I guess Final Fantasy V is a bit more progressive. They're not having just humans die for the cause, also dragons. And speaking of... In Final Fantasy, you generally have a boat. Later on, you get a car, truck, an airship, sometimes a plane. Nothing tops flying around on a dragon, right? That is way cooler than an airship. Also way cooler than a submarine. I don't remember ever having a submarine in Final Fantasy, but this is two games where we've had a submarine, so maybe I just blanked it on my mind. But yes, the flying dragons in this are kind of cool. Sadly, you don't really see them in battle or anything. They add a nice little fantasy touch to the story. Like, it always takes me off guard when I play a Final Fantasy because your brain just says swords it's magic it's chocobos it's all kinds of just like middle european fantasy stuff every time uh, a, a game introduces the science fiction elements it's always like oh yeah i forgot that you do that here those those elements aren't too heavy right like there's not much on the science fiction end other than you know a, a parallel world now this is a soundtrack i haven't heard a lot just because not too many people talk about it and personally i haven't played it However, the soundtrack is actually really good. Like, uh, the standouts for me were like the Big Bridge song, which everybody knows, the Gilgamesh theme. And then the library music. The library music was really good, but a lot of the pieces in this have a very upbeat feel to them. They're not very somber. There's a few, but it's generally more upbeat, feels like adventure music, right? And I I like that quite a bit. This was good. They did an amazing job on the music, on the SNES at least. They do a couple things in 5 that they haven't done before and that they will do again, or at least variations of that. Like, for instance, uh, you're about to attack attack death's towers, because you have a shield around his tower, so you have to go take out the pylons. So, you know, the whole world kind of has their representatives there on boats, and they're about ready to smash into the tower, and you land there as on that rally point, saying, okay, you know, what can I do, kind of thing, and they're about ready to attack, and wham, they attack you first, and so you're fighting all these boss battles on a boat. Uh, it's a pretty cool scene. After you do that, you know, they're like, haha, this was just a ruse, and you get in a submarine, and you go under, and you bust through a wall, and it's just a very cool scene, right? I like that. Uh, they also do that whole, if you play Final Fantasy 6 thing, where you gotta split the party. Except here, you have to split your magic users and your, I guess, strength users. And the cool thing is, is once you get to the bosses, there's bosses of each. One of them is actually the Summon Brothers from a later Final Fantasy game. So when you get to, say, the magic tower, the end of the magic tower, you got to fight that boss. You can only use magic. You can't trick the system and go, ha, ha ha, but I'm actually a strength user. Because if you use a strength move, let's say you smack him with something. He's a time mage and he resets the battle back to the beginning of the battle every time you do that. Or at least it was for me. So either it was a giant coincidence or it was there by design. So that was very cool. That was a nice test of how well you've built each branch of a character up until that point. Now, the only problem is on that strength side, you better hope you stocked up on some high potions, right? Because there's really no way for you to heal as a strength user. There's a lot of tactically interesting boss fights in this, too. Like, for instance, there was a boss, um, it was Stalker, was his name. And there were four of them, but at any given time, you could only damage one. Now all four would hit you, but you couldn't tell which boss you had to attack. So it was kind of a hope for the best when you attack or you're using attacks that hit everybody. And that was a very cool idea. I like that. Um, the usual Odin fight is here with a minute and boy, th- this one was a beast. I had to try it two or three times and the time that I actually succeeded, I made it out with two seconds left. So Odin would excellently tense. Also tense was a uh, fight Atomos when you're at the top of the tower. This guy hits like a truck. Uh, They've also finally started doing multi-part bosses. Like the end boss is one. Uh, Atomos is another one where there's different points on the boss that you can attack. And so you can either choose, hmm, okay, do I want to take the time to disable this part? Or just smash everything. There were a few puzzle bosses. Like, I I guess what I call puzzle bosses is like, hmm, okay, how do we figure out this guy? Like, you know, let's say you're fighting something and they use Earthshaker and it just decimates your party. You know, okay, well I can go in with float, I can pop down a carbuncle or a wall. You know, just things that once you figure out the trick, they're not too bad, but you still have to figure out that trick. Something I do want to say about the bosses is that the sprite work was absolutely phenomenal, right? Like, Google a picture of Neo X Death, oh, I hate saying that, and look at the sprite work on that. It's fantastic. It's kind of like if Geiger came in to do the, what is it called, biomechanical look on the castle of X-Death. And then they decided, hey, Creature Design, here, let's Cronenberg the sucker. And so it's just like arms and faces and goop, and it is very cool looking. Like, a lot of these bosses were excellent. Now, let's talk about some downsides. First of all, the job system that I did talk about, it is really good. It seems like there are, it's very flexible but you're gonna put in a lot of time to master a class. And it started to get a bit old once I was finally trying to clean up everything and get my characters in fighting shape to go to the end boss. So, I don't know, maybe drop that down a little bit, I would say. Other than that, everything with the combat system is absolutely fine. There are some times where the tone goes nuts, right? Like, you're just mourning the death of your father. And it's like, no, father, don't die. And then the crystal shatters, and ooh, new jobs. And then your characters are all happy. It's just a little weird, right? I mean, it, it's just kind of video gamey. Also, I'm getting kind of tired of people being mind controlled by the bad guy to do evil things, much to the bafflement of everybody else around him. It's like, ah, come on guys, you've used that before. Just try to keep it new. There's one or two points in the story too where it's not necessarily clear on where you have to go. It generally does a pretty good part of dropping hints of where you have to go, but there's one or two parts in the beginning where you know, you've saved or tried to save the first crystal. You get the quest to go save the rest. Woo, got some new jobs. Now what? Like, there wasn't really any hints other than go search for the crystals, my child, kind of thing. So I, I didn't like that. Also, there is a point in the story, and, and try not to let this turn you off of playing Final Fantasy It is incredibly dumb and eye-rolling. So you beat X-Death for the first time. Characters are all happy. Seems like you've won the day. I was a little disappointed. Like, I really hope this isn't the end. And so you continue on trying to finish your quest for the crystals without x death bothering you and then haha, he transformed into a get this thorn in your side at least at that point he gets to have a battle with a kick-ass turtle and you know turtles are pretty cool and this turtle was pretty cool so it sort of led to something nice but yeah that was that was probably the lowest point in the story a thorn in her side Ugh. now it may be again because this is new but it seemed like the dungeons in this were much more expansive. There weren't so many dead ends, they were just big. Like, there's uh, one point where the ship is on fire and you... Or, sorry, the ship is draining the power of the Crystal of Fire. Sorry about that. And you gotta make your way through it. And that, I got more lost on that fire ship than I did in anything Zelda-related, right? Like, that thing was a maze. You have to go down this door and then come down this shaft. I would say, just Google a map, it'll probably help. I was about two seconds away from Googling a map. Another cool thing that this does that I can't say I noticed, and I don't really remember many games doing, Final Fantasy games, doing after this, is so you're in a forest, right? And you're making your way through the forest and it does this really cool thing where you have very limited vision. Like you can see in a circle around your character, but the background layer actually hinders your vision unless it's within that small circle. So it's, it's very cool. It has a very kind of claustrophobic atmosphere as much as an SNES game can. And once you get halfway through there, the forest actually catches fire and you have to go hide underground. When you come back out, the whole map is different. Like things, everything's burnt down. There's nothing blocking your vision. It was just very cool. Another thing that really impressed me is, so X Death is after the power of the Void to just make things disappear. Okay, that's a new one. But in order to fight him, you have to go to where he's getting the power of the Void, and that would be, they call it the Cleft of Dimensions. I don't know if it's called that officially or not. But it's kind of like the World of Darkness from Final Fantasy III, except it does a very good job of taking all the maps that you've been to, the dungeons, the places, the towns... That you've been to and kind of jumbling them together so it's like well for lack of a better way to do it think dark souls like three at the end the world's just kind of mashed together right and so you're in a desert now but you go through a doorway and you're in a town that was very lush and green and foresty come out of the town and you're in a crumbling dungeon that has pieces missing and then you switch into a a very machine heavy place very very cool the way that was it, it was kind of like uh, remember this part and then this part it was kind of a nice build up of all what you've done up to that point and then of course I mean the bosses in the of dimensions whoo mama that that is another problem I guess I could have is it's a, a very gentle incline for a good portion of the game in terms of difficulty and it's going up and it's going up and then you hit x death and it's you know 90 degree angle for a bit and then it levels off again and it's going nice and then you hit Collective Dimensions, and that sucker, man, you have got to have your stuff in line, ready to go, because Collective Dimensions will punish you. Like, there aren't too many save points in there, so it's kind of like uh, the Jade Passage from Final Fantasy One, where you got this long dungeon you gotta get through, and if you don't make it to the save point, well guess who's doing it from the beginning again? Luckily, nowadays, I mean, we have save states. It's not a huge deal now. But, uh, yeah, they definitely wanted to make sure you were ready to take on X-Death at this point. Also, it was very cool to see Gilgamesh there. Gilgamesh is a boss that you will run into now and again through the main story. And he doesn't really, you know, he's not really an evil laugh. I will kill you all kind of bad guy. He's just a guy who kind of wants just a good fight. Your final encounter is there in the Cleft of Dimensions and he turns out to be a pretty cool guy and you don't even have to fight him. Uh, And it was was nice to have a conclusion. I was kind of scared they were going to leave that Gilgamesh story untied up. Boy, I'm full of just amazing words today. You say goodbye to Gilgamesh. I'll see you in World of Final Fantasy. And you finally attack X-Death. Now, I was kind of surprised. There were bosses before X-Death. Like, there's a boss named Twintania who just pummels you with everything. It took me a good three or four tries to finally get it. But X-Death isn't that hard. Now, once you beat him, of course, it's the let me show you my true form. And then you're like, ugh. Like, see why you didn't use your true form. It's hideous. And I did cheat a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'd been saving gill because I had everything I had my 99 potions my 99 high potions you know a good 20 phoenix downs. so I was I was ready to go and I just gill tossed them to death right because gill toss is ridiculous in terms of damage I mean you you can pull 9999s with this and you can hit all four spots on neo x death so the boss was not as challenging as I would have liked I would have liked a final do you understand the battle system test And it wasn't, I would say that that is Twintania, but he was, he put up enough of a fight where it didn't feel like a wet fart, right? It felt good enough to when you're like, all right, this is an end boss. So summarizing this very scattered approach to talking about a video game with you, I really liked Final Fantasy V. I'm talking like a teenager because I liked it so much. I'm saying like, and you knows, and yeah, it was awesome. The story is good. It's not as strong as Final Fantasy can be, but it's a good enough hook. The way it looks is is absolutely fantastic. I mean, the sprite work here, I believe 6 is a little bit better, but this is leagues ahead of 4. Same with the battle system. The battle system might be my favorite Final Fantasy battle system up until this point actually that's not a maybe that's a yes i mean i had so much fun with this battle system and that really was the main reason that I, I had so much fun with this was the battle system it's great to try different classes see what they can do do i want this on a freelancer you know that kind of final fantasy tactics and eh, let's fight a couple more battles level them up see what we get kind of thing the music is good these songs aren't very iconic to me but that may just be because it took me so long to play it but I can't say there's anything wrong with the way the music is composed. It's very well done. So all in all, this is, so far, this is my favorite Final Fantasy. Like I thought four was gonna be, but five kind of smashed four out of the water for me. Now, again, we got six on the horizon, so I'm not too sure how that's gonna sit, but five might be my favorite of the 2D Final Fantasies. So if that's any indication to you, please do go try this. This is fantastic. It only took me about 30 hours and that was with a lot just fooling around leveling up Checking things out. So I would say you could probably do it in maybe 25 hours So it is in line with four in terms of it's not very long It ain't no Dragon Quest 7. So this was a good very good game And it's great to have this surprise when I was going through a series where I thought I knew what was gonna be in store for me Because I believe five Hold on a moment Yes, yes, I have played all the other ones, now that I think about it. So this was the last like surprise for me. Now I say that, but it's been a long time since I played seven, eight, nine and 12. I played on like release and that was it. So, I mean, there's stuff that I'm not gonna remember. I, this is not going to be a boring path to walk, but this was the biggest, whoa, this is amazing. Like, my gut check reaction was to say, this is it. This is my favorite Final Fantasy ever. I don't think I would go that far now that I've stopped and thought about it. Kind of realized where it sits. It's way up there. This is this is top shelf stuff for me. So, final verdict. Go get it. It's cheap on PSN. You could probably find it on GBA. Yeah, you could probably use the translation and use an emulator. It's worth it. It's very good. I actually really wish that they would have re-released this more times. Like, I would love to see a Final Fantasy Complete Collection, but for five be amazing no kind of crappy you know after years on the end of it just because the story does tie up in a very nice bow no need for that kind of nonsense but yeah let's square re-release this sucker now next game on the docket is going to be Wind Waker and Wind Waker pretty good game if I remember correctly now <laughs> let's play a little game called what does Dave remember now so Wind Waker I remember there's a talking boat there's a girl who looks like she has a bird beak there's this really cool scene underwater where Hyrule Castle is frozen and Ganon is a bird. And that's what Dave remembers of Wind Waker. Is that enough for me to get excited to play? Yeah, probably. (laughs) All that's left is usual spiel of, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Gmail, wherever you feel like getting in contact with us, you can do that. Also do give a listen to our retro rewinds and our bit effects and Mike's amazing BGM select because there really is much in life made better by video game music. I would say probably going to a concert is not made better by video game music, but that might really be about it. I mean, everything from waiting for awful test results from a doctor to riding roller coaster. all made better by video game music, so give it a listen. All right, thank you very much, and we'll catch you next time.